Let's have some fun then. I'm rolling. Oh, let me go get my coffee. Hold on. I'll be right back. Okay. Hold on here. Tell me. You should be. Just be quiet for a second. Grave danger. Is there another kind? You see, the useful idiots that the Soviet Union that Lenin put into America are now the useful idiots from the Chinese. U.S. President Joe Biden, who has had another week of gaffes, confused moments. They're coming down on America like Pac-Man, eating us up alive. They're acting more as propagandists. Also, the science has changed. You know the Pac-Man game? Think of a Pac-Man game out of control. Sucking away at the foundation of America. If Russia pursues its aggression, it will face the massive consequences that... Because if they don't want you to believe something and they can cast doubt... We have no intention of fighting Russia. Sometimes confusion can actually be the goal. The goal. The goal. And as we've said all along... Confusion can actually be the goal. And we're glad to have you back here on Speaking Out America, your host, JR. And I'm so... Uh, pleased to have with me uh, an old friend who's also a Harvard Law a lawyer uh, attorney. Uh, he is uh, notable for his being the chief counsel for the Ralph Supermarket Empire of Southern California, of which I have many fond memories. And he is also uh, the father of Chuck Gray, who is the Secretary of State for the beautiful state, the Granite State. Is, is Wyoming the Granite State? Did I get that right? Jan Charles no. Gray. No. It's it's the it's the oil the oil state. It's uh, the granite state. Is uh, is it at uh, New Hampshire or Vermont? <laughs> Something like that, right? <laughs> uh, they have a lot of granite. Uh, so I'm bringing you on because I want to get your perspective. On Monday, the left was going nuts, thinking that they were going to get their Trump perp walk, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, here comes Bob Costello, who is, I believe, the attorney for Michael Cohen but also Rudy Giuliani. And uh, so give me your perspective. What's happening right now in the grand jury? Give me your assessment of what happened after Robert Costello gave his testimony, showed up with over 300 pages of additional documents that the jury did not see as to conversations between Michael Cohen and what had happened and Trump's legal team and all this. So give me your perspective. Okay, first of all, I want to inject a little humor here about Stormy Daniels because... Uh, when you asked me to be on, I, I did a little research, and believe it or not, she was born in 1979. So when this supposed affair took place in 2006, she was 27. Uh, but the thing is, 27 years have passed since 2006, so now she's 44. Uh, so she isn't as stormy as she once was. Well, that's a good point. Um, Boy, talk about old but, history, too. And so how, how old would Trump would have been? Uh, well, uh, tr- Trump uh, is one year older than I am, so he would have been, uh, he was born in 46, 1946, so uh-huh. that would have been 54. He would have been 60 when he supposedly had the affair. The other thing about it is, if you've ever seen that film, A 40-Year-Old Virgin, uh, the, the the main character, Steve Carroll, uh, watches uh, this video that Stormy Daniels is in, and that was a year before uh, the Trump <laughs> affair. Anyway. So, Interesting. Interesting. It is. Yeah. Here's, here's what I think. To begin with, you know, the Democrats think they want this mugshot, well, uh, of Trump. But Trump wants it more than they do. And I don't know if you remember uh, Frank Sinatra's mugshot, famous mugshot that they 
cell in New York all the time, but when when Sinatra was arrested as a teen, but Trump will put that on every single piece of mail or contribution request that he has, and he's already raised a million and a half in the last week and gone up in the polls. So Trump wants to do this, but isn't that interesting? I don't think that John. What was the guy in? Uh... Who was, uh, he was Carrie's running mate, remember? And he got snagged. Yeah, yeah, John Edwards. He, he, he was a guy that was try. they tried to get him for, uh, you know, paying, trying to pay off the woman that had his child. And that was summarily dismissed. So, um, and that brings up a point, uh, Jan, sorry for interrupting, but in Costello's, in Costello's statement, he said that, the decision for Michael Cohen to get a HELOC loan, which is a home equity line of credit, to get money out of his investment. And he he took it upon himself to negotiate uh, a, an NDA, a non-disclosure, with Stormy Daniels' attorney. And Trump had no knowledge of any of this. It, with that knowledge, then it would be really hard to indict Trump. Uh, I think the hush money came after can you can you give us some background on that? Is is what Costello said? If that's true, and Cohen did all of this on his own, doesn't that uh, exonerate Trump? Well, one would think so. Although I don't know, in my heart of hearts, I gotta believe that Trump really know, knew what was going on. If mm. you follow that, I mean, it's one thing to have a legal stance, but quite another to know mm. Donald Trump. I. I well, yeah, and let's face it, he's not he's not known for being, you know, honorable when it comes to relationships with women. There's no question. Uh, well, and neither know, was to, Hugh Hefner, to, by the way. So to, um, to answer your overriding question, I think that this decision is a balance between um, what the district attorney uh, Alvin Bragg owes George Soros and his contributors. And what could happen to him, i.e., they're talking about if he goes ahead with this, that he might lose his law license. And do you and think or, that's possible? You think it's possible? Yes, I do. I mean, a lot of people forget that, you know, Bill Clinton lost his law license after, you know, the debacle where he uh, refused to answer questions at that deposition. Um, and he. So, I mean, people do lose their law license. Even the president of the United States, Bill Clinton, lost his law license. A lot of people forget that. Right, right. But, um, hmm. I, I, I think that what he owes his contributors and all of that is balanced against, you know, what could happen to him and or the grand jury who, you know, supposedly will indict a ham sandwich, which is, a phrase that goes back to uh, an obscure New York judge in the early 1990s who who stated that to Tom Wolfe, who was a columnist for the New York Times at the time, and, and that's where you can indict a ham sandwich came from. Ah, I get it, got it. That's why I like talking but, to you, Jan. Jan Gray, Harvard Law uh, expert and also an attorney himself, and, you know, this— I, that's why I like your perspective. You, you fill in some of these missing gaps. What do you think is going through the minds of the grand jury 
And where do you think Michael Cohen stands now? Do you think his reputation uh, has been as if he had one, right? I mean, this guy is uh, the fixer. That's why they call him the fixer. He has no morals. He has no. He's just looking out for his own hide. Do you think the grand jury will view him differently now that they have all those documents to look over? Oh, oh, definitely. See, this is not a normal uh, indict a ham sandwich grand jury because this is the top of the news. So all of those people, they, they haven't been admit, admonished, and even if they were, they still would. They're looking at the same television we're looking at. They're, look, they're reading the same articles we are. So this is a different grand jury, and that's why I think the delay is that uh, Alvin Bragg wants to bring back Michael Cohen, and, and you know, you got to remember Michael Cohen's trying to sell his book. But here, here's a point that I don't think people have really focused on, which is the whole basis of this thing is a misdemeanor that is two years over the statute of limitations. What that means is that if Trump does get indicted. His lawyers will immediately file motions to dismiss the case. And if you think there's ever going to be a trial, there never will be a trial because the appellate courts will slam this down like a slam dunk in basketball because it is so inappropriate. I mean, that's why we have a statute of limitations, for Christ's sake. <laughs> but doesn't know? Alvin Bragg know this? I mean, he must be sitting there going, I'm, I'm, I'm backed in a corner. What do I do here? What's his, what's his exit plan? Well, well, I think there were these two uh, members, lawyers that were working in the Manhattan uh, District Attorney's Office. And by the way, it's a very staid office. I mean— the person who was the previous uh, prosecutor there was Cyrus Vance Jr., who, who was the son of Cyrus Vance Sr., who was the Secretary of State in Jimmy Carter's administration, a longtime, very uh, adept lawyer who, by the way, decided not to proceed as Alvin Bragg did uh, initially on this case when uh, – Bragg was elected, but these two lawyers have, one of them wrote a book criticizing Bragg, and now he's worried about his contributors and the people on the left that he needs to satisfy that he tried to get Trump. And that's the reason he's moving forward, in my view. But yeah. Trump will never see the inside of a courtroom uh, on this, believe me. I like that. Be over. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, look, uh, this is good. I, I, I really appreciate the intel, and I think that uh, I, I'm, I'm not an expert. You are, and I think you're on the right track here. And I think that's what's slowly starting to become a reality for the left. They're realizing it's kind of like Wile E. Coyote trying to chase down the roadrunner, you know, and here comes the boulder, right? So we'll see what happens. But I appreciate you coming in, uh, uh, Jan Gray, Charles Jan Gray. Next time we'll talk more. And uh, stay tuned. Speaking Out America continues.
Welcome back to Speaking Out America. I'm your host, JR. Thanks again to Jan Gray for showing us some legal insight into this whole debacle, which is exploding before Alvin Bragg's very eyes. Uh, so we'll continue to keep an eye on that. Uh, I want to talk about an article that I read in The Federalist, uh, which was quite eye-popping, actually, and I'm so glad that the person had the courage to write it. It was written by a man by the name of Walt Hayer, Hayer and he uh, had transed, transitioned from a man to a woman. And I won't read the entire article, though I would encourage you to read it. It might open your eyes to what's happening in the trans cult and I also also want to play for you before we read this article. This is Matt Walsh, uh, who was on television. I believe it was on the Dr. Phil show last year, having an argument with a woman or a man who uh, was uh, transitioning to a woman. And here is that interchange between Matt Walsh and the audience on that day. Just like the four-year-old can't answer what is a girl. Well, this is one of the problems with this left-wing gender ideology is that no one who espouses it can even tell you what these words mean. Like, what is a woman? Well, can you tell me what a woman is? No, I can't. Because but, it's not for me to say. I, womanhood looks different for everybody. What do, you, what do you define a woman as? An adult human female. And what does a female mean? Uh, well, well, that's how do you, how do you define a someone with, with female reproductive organs. Okay. Someone who's, you know, here's the thing. When you're, when you're female, it goes right down to your bones, your DNA. So that's why if someone dies, okay. we could dig up their bones a hundred years from now. We have no idea what they believed in their head, but we can tell what sex they were because it's in, it's down in, it's, it's ingrained in every fiber of their being. And that I think is the takeaway here is that you could try to change everything on the outside, but you can't change what's on the inside. And this message is perfectly uh, communicated in this article. Let me read the words of Walt Heyer, who at one point transitioned from a boy to a girl. He writes, as I learned through my painful experience, gender-affirming uh, treatment, or GAT, is medical fraud and malpractice. This April marks 40 years since my therapist told me a sex change was the only answer to my persistent metal, uh, mental difficulties. Unfortunately, I followed his advice, obtained cross-sex hormones, and underwent surgery. As I learned through my painful experience, gender-affirming treatment also known as gender-affirming care, is medical fraud. I had lived and identified as a woman for eight years. Hormones and surgery didn't change my sex. I was a man before surgery, and I remained a man after surgery, illustrating the truth of God's perfect design. Two separate and distinct sexes, male and female, innate and unchangeable. Walt goes on to write, Every step I took to identify as a female did not make me a female, but devalued me as a man, father, and later husband. Each step dehumanized my male body and identity. The same thing is happening to people today, except at a younger age. I know I get their emails. When I fell for the scam, the patients were exclusively adult men. Today, the industry targets vulnerable adolescents of both sexes, influenced by the emotional and physical throes of puberty, who can't be expected to grasp the long-term consequences such as infertility, burnt bone density, and heart problems. Parents are told their child will die by suicide if the child is denied medicalization. But it's a myth. The Child and Parental Rights Campaign gathered the scientific evidence. There is no long-term evidence 
that puberty blockers, cross-hormone, cross-sex hormones, or transition surgeries prevent suicide. On the contrary, the best long-term research shows that individuals who do go through medical transition kill themselves at a rate 19 times greater than the general population. GATT, gender uh, affirmation therapy, includes many destructive and devaluing procedures. With social transition, a person adopts a new name and pronouns that erase the original identity. Puberty blockers, drugs with severe well-known side effects that stop normal growth and maturation are administered. Those are followed by cross-sex hormones, powerful drugs with destructive known medical side effects that impose a cross-sex appearance. The final step is surgeries, invasive, destructive procedures to remove healthy breasts and wombs in girls and healthy genitalia in boys. It's a path to sterilization. Sperm and eggs don't mature without going through puberty. When puberty blockers are followed by cross-sex hormones, the teen is permanently sterilized. Affirming a child in the opposite sex is emotional and psychological child abuse. Experimenting on healthy children with powerful drugs and sterilizing surgery is the epitome of medical malpractice and horribly barbaric. I launched a website, Walt says, called sexchangeregret.com to reach out to others. It turns out my experience was not rare. Over the last 10 years, I have heard from thousands of people like me who found that GATT was not the answer. A 2011 long-term follow-up study in Sweden concurs. People who underwent GATT were 19 times more likely to die by suicide than the general population. He says that as a child, I was encouraged and affirmed by my grandmother to cross-dress in women's clothing. Her repeated affirming and loving response to me in the dress proved devastating. I was implanted with the damaging idea that something must be wrong with me as a boy. He also goes on to say that he received a lot of abuse from his mother, which he doesn't remember, but that may have led to him going to his grandmother for affirmation. He concludes with this, The psychological and emotional abuse perpetrated on me as a child was so devaluing and so dehumanizing. I was convinced as an adult by doctors that the only way to heal was to load up on female hormones and let surgeons slice my body and declare I was now a female. That was 40 years ago. Today, gender-affirming care for children is lucrative, and it's also abusing and destroying boys and girls everywhere. Children need love, real care, and good psychosocial counseling, not a change of identity. That's what he writes. Walt Heyer, an accomplished author and public speaker who is speaking out against the devastating travesty of what so many people are willing to embrace. And they criticize people like Ron DeSantis of, because he doesn't want children to be inculcated in this strange new cult. The LGBTQ has adopted this as their cause du jour. Why? Why are they bringing these people in under the umbrella of the LGBTQ advocacy? These are young children who need counseling or they need to be left alone, not turned into little gender-fluid bots who are already confused enough about their own bodies and their own selves. 
it's a strange place that we find ourselves in right now with this kind of endorsing of the trans ideology. And the reason I bring it up is not because I'm against LGBTQ issues or the LGBTQ uh, community. The reason I bring it up is because we have to gain equilibrium as adults. The objective truth is that if any person declares that they're in the wrong body, they need love and affirmation of who they really are as they are in that moment. That's what we're missing. We should be reaffirming that people are beautiful just the way they are, and they don't need the surgeon's scalpel to make a difference. We'll continue, and if you've got a comment, email me at speakingoutamerica.com. I'd love to hear it. We'll continue in just a moment. Stay tuned. All right, we'll close that down, and now we're going to pick this up. And here we go. Grave danger. Is there another kind? You see, the useful idiots that the Soviet Union that Lenin put into America are now the useful idiots from the Chinese. U.S. President Joe Biden, who has had another week of gaffes, confused moments. Uh, uh, They're coming down in America like Pac-Man, eating us up alive. They're acting more as propagandists. Also, the science has changed. You know the Pac-Man game? Think of a Pac-Man game out of control. Sucking away at the foundation of America. If Russia pursues its aggression, it will face the massive consequences that... Because if they don't want you to believe something and they can cast doubt... We have no intention of fighting Russia. Sometimes confusion can actually be the goal. The goal. The goal. And as we've said all along... Confusion can actually be the goal. Welcome to another edition of Speaking Out America. A lot of, a lot of disinformation out today on trial. There was a big hearing going on earlier today between TikTok. The CEO Shu Chu was being grilled by Congress. We actually have some of that audio. Uh, actually, let's listen to a little bit. This is Florida Rep uh, Cap Kamik, who is grilling Shu Chu, the TikTok CEO. Your own community guidelines state that you have a firm stance against enabling violence on or off TikTok. We do not allow people to use our platform to threaten or incite violence or to promote violent extremist organizations, individuals, or acts. When there is a threat to public safety or an account is used to promote or glorify off-platform violence, we ban the account. This video has been up for 41 days. It is a direct threat to the chairwoman of this committee, the people in this room, and yet it still remains on the platform. And you expect us to believe that you are capable of maintaining the data security, privacy and security of 150 million Americans where you can't even protect the people in this room? I think that is a blatant display of how vulnerable people who use TikTok are. You couldn't take action after 41 days when a clear threat, a very violent threat to the chairwoman of this committee and the members of this committee was posted on your platform. You got that right. And it was pretty bad. It showed a picture of an AR, some sort of a handgun, and it's being fired. And it did exactly what Kat Kamek said. It listed the name of the person who was chairing this particular hearing. And TikTok, if you don't know or if you've heard about it, is that they're basically a company that is owned by ByteDance, which is a Beijing-based company that has strong ties to the CCP. Now, what does that mean to have strong ties with the CCP? Well, what it means primarily is that there are there's one ruling class in China, and it's the 
Chinese Communist Party. Oh, they have other factions, but, you know, if you don't want to get your head blown off or taken off to prison, you're pretty much either in the CCP or you're just a regular old citizen and you just do what the CCP says and you don't necessarily, you're not part of that inner elite club. They represent about 10 to 15 percent. They're basically the upper, like in our country, if we were a one-party system and you had, the say, the progressives in charge, uh, and they, they would be the equivalent of the CCP, a very elite group, people who teach at college, people that have good lives, they're, they have good government jobs. It's basically what it is. It's like the deep state on steroids. Really, that's uh, our deep state is, is becoming more and more like the CCP. So the CCP naturally has its hands on anything and everything that has to do with commerce in China. I hope you're, you're following me. ByteDance produced this, this app a few years ago that caught America by storm. The children just loved it because it helped make these videos that were time-synced and you could do all kinds of interesting things with them. You could add music, emojis. It was like eye candy for children. They loved it. It turned them into video superstars overnight. Then there was the uh, TikTok challenges, kind of similar to some of the other social media apps that sort of promote this sort of community where people try to outdo one another and film each other doing it. And it's supposed to be very amusing. Uh, And anyway, so TikTok also gathers data, just like their counterpart. I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but there's a company out there that makes, uh, you know, drones, and it's called DJI. And DJI is also a Beijing-based company, and it also gathers data, and it also has the ability to gather the data that you're recording on your drone. So they could be gathering all kinds of information. Now, a lot of people don't give thought to what China does with our information. And what they basically do is they store it until they need it. So they have a database of all of your private information that that can go through these social media apps, and it gets stored. And you are now in the file, just like if you were doing business on Facebook or if you had a Twitter account. No different, except that, that the Chinese Communist Party now has your data. And they hold on to it, again, until they need it. Let's say you become a prominent member of your community. Or let's say that you end up being on the board of directors. Or perhaps you're on the board at some college. They now have a way of getting a hold of you. And they can solicit you. Because they see your name. They cross-reference to the data they have on file. And guess what? If you are now valuable to the Chinese in some way, maybe to do with propaganda... Or, or sharing information. Maybe you work at a tech firm. That's why the United Kingdom has banned TikTok on all of their apps for, for government employees and, and I think for people too. In our, in our government, we have, we have figured out that ByteDance is just taking all that information and giving it to the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party. So here's Xu Chu, who is the CEO of TikTok, swearing on a stack of Bibles that he probably has never seen that there's nothing wrong with TikTok. TikTok CEO testifying right now before Congress here. This is Shu Chu. Let's listen in. We will further provide access to researchers, which helps them study and monitor our content ecosystem. Now, we believe we are the only 
the only company that offers this level of transparency. Now, trust is about actions we take. We have to earn that trust with decisions we make for our company and our products. The potential security, privacy, content manipulation concerns raised about TikTok are really not unique to us. The same issues apply to other companies. We believe what's needed are clear, transparent rules that apply broadly to all tech companies. Ownership is not at the core of addressing these concerns. Now, as I conclude, there are more than 150 million Americans who love our platform, and we know we have a responsibility to protect them. Which oh, is what sure they do. I, I wonder, you know, how hard he had to practice that speech in his hotel room. You have to remember that this man might have family back in China somewhere. And if he doesn't do his job and, and quell the concerns here in the West, you got to wonder what goes through his mind. He's thinking to himself, if I don't perform well, if I slip up, it could come back. I, I could get fired. I, I could get shipped off to the Western provinces. Who knows? I could be demoted. I could be selling, you know, iPhones on a street corner somewhere. My family, the shame. You know that these people operate under this enormous pressure from the CCP. They know they have to perform well for uh, Pooh Bear, who I affectionately call Pooh Bear, but others call Xi Jinping. I'm, I'm making the following commitments to you and to all our users. Number one, we will keep safety particularly for teenagers, as a top priority for us. Number two, we will firewall protected U.S. data from unwanted foreign actors. mean they haven't done it yet? Number three, TikTok will remain a place for free expression and will not be manipulated by no. any government. Are you buying any of this? Are you buying any of that? I don't, I'm not buying any of that. No, I don't think so. I, I just think that these... You know, we got to shout these, these guys down. Nobody buys this stuff. We don't, we don't believe you. You make you sound like one of our guys. You sound like one of our typical corporate lackeys who, who who come out and say a bunch of nice platitudes, but you don't really mean it. You don't really like mean it, mean it. And you'll go back, and everybody will pat you on the back, and and uh, they'll say, "Oh, a job well done, my friend." And uh, and then they'll just continue to do what they do because this is what China does. They obfuscate, just like we do. All right, we've got a lot to cover uh, coming up here. In fact, stay tuned. We're going to listen to Rand Paul inviscerate Blank, uh, Tony Blinken over matters having to do with Wuhan and investigation and COVID. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Speaking Out America. JR, your host. Don't forget our website, speakingoutamerica.com. And we've got new articles being posted every day. And of course, you can listen to us streaming 24 hours a day, uh, a live stream link right there on the homepage. And before I forget, I think it today, uh, if I'm not mistaken, today is International Women's Day or it's International Women's Month. Here is our uh, fine vice president giving homage to this fact. So during Women's History Month, we celebrate and we honor the women who made history throughout history, who saw what could be unburdened by what had been. Uh, you know, she's got to get a better speechwriter. I think she, she, tries to be, she tries to wax poetic 
And it, it comes across as a big stretch. Why can't you just come out and say, you know, today we honor all the hardworking moms and, and women uh, throughout history who have contributed to the real progress of humankind. It is a true partnership, and that's why we give homage to women. And then that's it, you know. But she wants to be the Aristotle of American politics and or the Marcus Aurelius, and she, it just doesn't fit her, you know. Anyway, so another big, big thing that they won't cover on the mainstream media is this interchange between Rand Paul and Anthony Blinken, our Secretary of State. And this is an interesting interchange because it kind of goes to this fact about obfuscation, about misinformation, about not telling the American people the truth. And this is why the poll numbers of Joe Biden, I mean, if you haven't heard, listen to this. This is not good news for Joe Biden. Hitting a near new low for that survey. The AP North poll of nearly 1,100 adults conducted March 16 to 20 with a margin of error of plus or minus four percentage points found only 38% approving of the president's job performance. It is a significant slide from the 45% he drew just Oof, two months ago. Now, RealClearPolitics.com, which takes averages of all the major reliable polls and which creates trend lines based on them, had the president coming the closest to escaping his underwater ratings approximately one month ago, when he briefly narrowed his average gap to six percentage points down from a high in that gap of 20 points last July. And published reports now say the Biden team is eyeing his home state of Delaware, specifically Wilmington, as the likely location for uh, the president's re-election headquarters. A, an, ex, uh, an announcement from the president that he will seek re-election is widely expected uh, next month. Yeah, we'll see about that. That's from Newsmax reporting earlier today. So, yeah, his poll numbers are down in the toilet, around 34 percent. And they've down from last week when he was up uh, 8 percent higher. And we all know why. We We all know why the president's ratings are so low because he's doing a terrible job uh look around you crime uh there is this energy problem that we have where biden just doesn't like energy so he doesn't want to produce enough of it we have uh, the feds putting their their thumb on the uh the scale of monetary justice or monetary injustice they raise the rates again stock market dropped 500 points on wednesday right after Powell made his uh, statement about raising the interest rates another quarter point. So, you know, all of this is happening around him. Big, big, the global theater that was uh, celebrating Xi and, 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 and Putin. Uh, the Ukraine war is not going well. We're spending billions and billions of dollars. And then there's this whole issue with COVID. We're still not done with COVID because our own government wants to keep things from us. And this is why Rand Paul laid it on uh, the line with Anthony Blinken today. He's been asking for a report on the, Ovi, uh, the origin of the Wuhan virus or the COVID virus. Listen to this interchange. It's about three minutes long, but it's very fascinating. On September 12th and November 7th of last year, I sent letters to the State Department asking for records about coronavirus research that had been funded by the State Department. The State Department refused to comply. A couple weeks later, I met personally with you at the State Department and asked you the same question. Will you support for coronavirus research, particularly in China? You assured me you would help. So that's where we stand. And it's uh, my question is, what's the State Department hiding? Why won't you give these records to the American people? My understanding is that our teams have been working to find an accommodation. We've got a refusal, blanket refusal. No, they are not going to give us the records. Mm -hmm. 
Um, we cannot directly provide uh, the uh, sure unredact unredacted cables. We have a longstanding practice with this committee uh, about how we do you're refusing but, You're refusing to release them. No, but it's I not think that you can't. There's a difference between can and may. You uh, won't do it, but you can do it. My hope is that we can find a, a way forward that answers your concerns so that you get the information that you're looking for. My understanding is that uh, our teams have been working on that, and I uh, commit to continue to do that so we can get you the the, uh, We're talking about unclassified material. Most of this is unclassified. And so we just had a unanimous vote in the Senate and in the House. And President Biden just signed a, a, a bill saying he's going to declassify stuff. But if you declassify it and you still hide it from the American people, that's a problem. I mean, we spend all of this time lambasting authoritarians. And for lack of transparency, we have these silly networks on TV that are aligned with the Democrat Party saying democracy is under attack. What do you think transparency has something to do with democracy? That is such a profound point that Rand Paul makes. Because we run around, like he just said, all the media pundits, all of the left-wing uh, New York Times, Washington Post, uh, all of the online journals, they are decidedly left and they're always screaming, Joy Reid, that the, the right-wing of the party are trying to destroy democracy and they're trying to obliviate truth and they're trying to ruin our lives. But then yet, when we make the honest request for information so that we can get to the bottom of what caused the pandemic, we get rebuffed by our own president. What's the point of signing legislation that allows for the declassification of information related to COVID when our own State Department refuses to hand over the information? And that's what Rand Paul is trying to get at. Refusing to give records on research, money that went for research. We want to read the research grant proposals. We want to read what the people in Wuhan sent back to the State Department saying they did. Which viruses did they create? Because the thing is, is it sounds all great. We're going to identify all the viruses of the world. But part of what they do is they take a virus they found 200 feet down in a cave and they mix it with another virus to create a virus that doesn't exist in nature because they say that's how we're going to further identify it. There's a big debate that should be had whether that's safe to take a virus from 100 feet down a bat cave 12 hours south of Wuhan and take it to a city of 10 million. And yet you won't help us investigate this. You refuse. And it makes it is reminiscent of the countries we criticize for lack of transparency, and yet you sit there and say you're still going to continue to refuse. Um, Senator, I think there are very important uh, debates that certainly go beyond my knowledge and expertise, for example, on gain of function, um, that uh, I know there's a, a vigorous debate about whether the risk um, outweighs the reward. I don't have the expertise uh, but, you know that, uh, but how do we have oversight or investigated so, if you won't give us so a record? We, so the uh, program that, uh, in this instance, USAID was involved in was not engaged in gain-of-function uh, work or gain That's of a function. debate. Yeah. But, now, and, I, and that's your opinion. We'd like to see the record. Yeah. And, I, again, that was today. Uh, and and it, I think about the fact that I really have a lot of respect for Rand Paul and his dad. Uh, they are they, they're consistent and, and I don't understand. Well, I do understand why so many people on the left despise Rand Paul, because that's just what they do. They always hate people who make them uncomfortable. And it, and it stands as proof, because in these interchanges, we get to see that Rand Paul is asking the right questions. He's asking the tough questions. And I think it's important for him. Somebody somebody's got to do it. We're not getting it from the left the whole time that that the Democrats 
held Congress, they didn't have these hearings. They didn't want to get to the bottom of what caused the virus. They didn't want to mention that it came from China because that would somehow be racist. So this is a, a you know perhaps a breath of fresh air to see Rand Paul up. But listening to Anthony, Anthony Blinken, our, our Secretary of State, what a weak man. What a weak man. Uh, because he is obfuscating. He is double-speaking. Just like Shu Chu over there at TikTok. So, um, and I, I think that just, again, in, you ask yourself, why are President Biden's numbers so, so stark? Well, that's why. Because his, his government, his administration is obfuscating on very important issues and making big blunders on other issues having to do with our finances, having to do with our energy, and even our food, our food prices. So I'll leave you on a good note, though. I did, I did read, and I've been hearing a lot about the popularity of, uh, of Jesus movies. The Jesus, you know, the new movie with Kelsey Grammer, The Jesus Revolution. And apparently what is surprising Hollywood, though not me, because I've known about this movement for a few years now, that more and more uh, Christians are making movies. And, I, and you know what? I'm happy about that. We need more Christian movies. You know why? Because, you know, in the, in, because there's so much good truth. There, there's good news to, to report. They're, they're, they're taking biblical teachings that have been the moral backbone of this country since this country began. You know that one out of two Americans for the first 200 years of this country uh, grew up learning how to read from the Bible? Did you know that? Uh, no wonder people treated each other better. No wonder people were more uh, kind to one another, and they worked harder. Uh, boy, did they work. There was no privilege in 1850, 1870. It was hard work for everybody. These, these sniveling little uh, spoiled brats that run around talking about getting reparations because, you know, their, their parents were, 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 they were ancestors to slaves. We were all slaves of the earth, and I don't mean to downplay uh, the atrocity of slavery, but it was no cakewalk. That's what I'm saying. People had to learn how to survive, and they had to survive every single day. But we're not told that story. But the good news is that people are embracing the truths of the gospel, and that can't be a bad thing. Until next time, thanks for stopping by. Speaking out, America.com.